0: Seems especially good to pray in epiphany. Lighten our darkness, we beseech thee, O Lord, and grant us courage that we may walk in light. Amen. I want to begin this morning. in a scene somewhere in the expanses of heaven, a park bench under a wide-spreading ancient oak, a man and a woman sitting on the bench, each with a book in hand. It appears there are a couple who come here regularly to read together and to talk. Somewhere along as this scene unfolds, one says to the other, I really like this one. The words are so simple, the language so clear. But here, just here, you turn it inside out, opening up completely new ways to read the whole thing. She responds, I thought you might like that one. I can't say you're the only influence to my approach there. But I've noted that your stories are deceptively simple, too, and that you can twist them in ways that jolt your reader. Truth to tell, I learned a lot from you. Well, as tempting as it would be now to say, all right, guess who they are, I will not tease you that way. My flight of fancy puts the author of the Gospel of John in conversation with the American poet, Emily Dickinson. In the fantasy that I have envisioned, the author of the Gospel of John reads one of her most famous poems. Tell all the truth, but tell it slant. Success in circuit lies. Too bright for our infirm delight, the truth's superb surprise, as lightning to the children eased with explanation, kind, the truth must dazzle gradually, or every man be blind. Truth, of course, is one of the key terms in the Gospel of John, but it appears in many guises. Perhaps the best example of truth in a way that uses that slant of Emily Dickinson is in the trial of Jesus before Pilate. In that scene, Jesus says, I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate, of course, asked in response, what is truth? But there's the slant, for in John's telling, the truth is standing right in front of him. Jesus had made clear early in the gospel with his declaration, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In today's gospel, this third Sunday in Epiphany, there are many examples of slanted truth, ways that the author of this gospel changes the story of Jesus' baptism. Those of you who were here last week heard Bishop Shannon invite us to look at John's hesitancy to baptize Jesus as a way to explore and overcome our own feelings of inadequacy in responding to and living out the gospel. She could not have done this in John's account Jesus' baptism because there is no interaction between Jesus and John anywhere in the story. In fact, there's no reference to John baptizing Jesus at all. He alludes to something that went on the day before but tells us nothing about it except what he saw, and here is what he saw, the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and remaining on Jesus, and that, for John, was proof that Jesus was the Son of God, but that testimony sets up another slanted truth in this passage. It begins with the phrase that is so much a part of our life as Episcopalians because it appears regularly in the Eucharist. John says when he sees Jesus walking by, there is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the phrase that gives rise to our prayer Lamb of God that takest away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. Lamb of God that takest away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, grant us your peace. The slanted part of this is that nowhere in Scripture is there a Lamb that takes away sin. Rams can take away sin. Bulls can take away sin. Some of the menial, lesser sins can be removed by the sacrifice of a dog. But a lamb? No. Lambs are not sacrificed to atone for sin. The one place that we have lambs being slaughtered is the celebration of Passover. And that clearly is what the writer of the Gospel of John has in mind. Because in another place, he does yet another slant in the sword. So that in John's Gospel, Jesus does not celebrate a Passover meal with his disciples. Rather, in the Gospel of John, Jesus is crucified at the time of day when the Passover lambs were being slaughtered for that meal. So that it becomes the meal where we pray, take away our sin that John has in mind in this particular story. A couple of other things real quickly that I want you at least to be aware of when you go back and read this story again and get drawn into it and ask yourself, what is the writer doing here? The role of John the Baptist in the Gospel of John is to bear witness to the light. Now, it doesn't show up in our story. Nowhere here is light And this is surprising to me for an epiphany reading that there's no light in the story, except that it makes very clear in the passages leading up to it. John is not the light. John is not the Messiah. John is not Elijah. John is not the prophet. But he is the one prepares the way for the coming of the light and notice also the way the writer talks about Jesus in this passage he's a man he's a lamb he's a rabbi he's a Messiah and he's the Son of God And putting all those together, there's a kind of mix that one says this, another says that, another says the other. And so the slanted way that all of these titles are used make us get through this passage. And if we're paying attention, we don't simply easily put them together and say, yeah, all of those are Jesus. But we're has to probe what each of them might mean for us the one thing that stands out in all of those passages is that as a lamb Jesus takes away the sin of the world and it is in Jesus's baptism that the Holy Spirit comes Jesus, the sins of the world is taken away, and it's through Jesus that the Holy Spirit comes. Both of these then get worked out in the rest of the gospel in ways that drive home the meaning of the story. So that we look at the story and we look ahead. We look ahead and we come back to the story, and the slantedness of both is what gives meaning. The coming of the Holy Spirit is what is particularly important for John here, I would argue, because it's the one piece of the story from the other Gospels that he continues to use. But he pushes it, not simply by having this story in the baptism, but he will say later, Jesus promises the coming of a spirit after he is gone. And that spirit will live and work within you to to do things that we've not done while I am with you. There's more to come. This is just the beginning. And then in the end, when Jesus meets with the disciples, He breathes on them the Holy Spirit before he ascends. So that this coming of the Spirit is a fundamental part of baptism, it's a fundamental part of Jesus' mission, and it's the way he sends the church off to do new things, listening to the Spirit move in times to come. One other thing John also changes the story of Peter. In this particular part, of the way John slants this story for his readers, he's first described as Simon Peter, but then the meaning of the term is explained. You are Simon, son of John, but you will be Cephas which translated is Peter. That doesn't help us very much because it replaces one name with another name. But if we do a better translation of this, you are Simon, son of John. You will be Cephas, which translated means rock. So that there is a quality given to Peter as a disciple that becomes foundational. And yet, we all know the way the story of Peter unfolds in all the gospels. But here again, when this version of Jesus' baptism is made clear in the rest of this book, yet again, Before Jesus ascends, he says to Peter, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. And Peter becomes frustrated. Can't you trust me? Well, no, because you have denied. putting it all together. This story of baptism in the Gospel of John is a slanted story which draws us into it and then pushes us out of it to look further and further. The Holy Spirit moves among us now, calling us to see things new. One of the implications of this is that we come up with new ways of understanding Jesus. We understand new ways of thinking about what it means to be a disciple. And it gives us a certain humility in understanding ourselves and being in community with one another. Because no one of us at St. Stephen's has all the answers for who Jesus is or what discipleship is going to be but we come together each with our own confession each of us bearing witness as we are called to bear witness and helping others to see something that we may not see and they will help us see what we fail to see by telling our stories perhaps slanted, but telling her stories in a way that engage one another in pushing new horizons of what we are called to do and who we were called to be. It will also be that as this story takes this figure of Andrew and Andrew goes and tells Peter, And then Peter becomes a leading disciple, and even when he fails, Jesus yet comes back. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, feed my sheep. Peter, feed my sheep. Peter, feed my lambs. In all of our imperfections, in all of the ways we mess things up, in our own lives, in the lives of those Families and our community of St. Stephen's, we are called yet again and again. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. And it is in that community, as we share with one another the meaning of our faith, as we love one another. And reach out, we begin to understand what baptism is, as this Sunday in Epiphany invites us to do. I cannot conclude this without saying that this is not simply about our loving one another, but witnessing to this truth to the world around us. Seventy-five years ago yesterday, 60,000 people were led out of the concentration camp Auschwitz to be sent further east. Twenty-five percent of those 60,000 died on the way. On the 25th, later this week, the 75th anniversary of the liberation, 7,000 of those who were not deported, transported, were released there. That's part of the world to which we bear witness to the light. That this cannot happen again. Tomorrow, we celebrate the holiday dedicated to Martin Luther King Jr. That too is a witness for someone who had a dream that might even be called a fantasy of what life could be. This is the world in which and to which we bear witness, that the light has come into the world and that darkness cannot and will now or ever extinguish that light. Amen.